This is video podcast 52 from learningradiology.com, Soft Tissue Clues in Musculoskeletal Disease. I'm William Herring from Albert Einstein Medical Center in Philadelphia. The contents of this podcast are going to include some of the important soft tissue planes that may offer clues to musculoskeletal disease. We'll talk about the pronator quadratus fat plane, the scaphoid fat stripe, the posterior fat pad sign in the elbow, suprapatellar effusions, Hoffa's fat pad, lipohemarthroses, the fat planes around the hip, ankle joint effusions, and the pre-Achilles fat plane. In general, soft tissue swelling is relatively common in trauma or anything that produces inflammation. It can be recognized by either an increase in the size of soft tissues or an increase in the density of the soft tissues. It can be helpful to confirm the presence of trauma. It may indicate the acuity of trauma. And it's especially helpful in alerting us to make a careful review of the body part adjacent to the soft tissue swelling. There's no question that MRI is superior in delineating soft tissue abnormalities, but the initial investigation of trauma is almost always done by conventional radiography. Soft tissue swelling can be superficial or deep. The white arrow is pointing to the normal subcutaneous fat deep to which there are denser muscles. The red arrow is pointing to one of the fat planes we're going to discuss shortly, the pronator quadratus fat plane. In the image on the right, you can see that there is obliteration not only of the superficial fat planes, the blue arrow, but of the deep fat planes as well. The pronator quadratus fat plane is a loosened stripe on the volar aspect of the wrist. It's formed by a loosency between the pronator quadratus and the flexor digitorum profundus tendons. It can be displaced or completely obliterated in fractures of the distal radius or the ulna. It's called McEwen sign. On the left, the white arrow is pointing to complete obliteration of the pronator quadratus fat plane in a patient who has an obvious fracture of the distal radius. This is a Collie's fracture. The normal fat plane is shown here. These are two kitties with fractures. On the left, there is a buccal fracture of the distal radius shown by the red arrow, and there is obliteration of the pronator quadratus fat plane. On the right, we see fractures of both the distal radius and ulna, and there is anterior bulging of the pronator quadratus fat plane, the blue arrow. The scaphoid fat stripe is a thin, lucent line that parallels the lateral surface of the scaphoid, shown here by the red arrow. It is a lucency that occurs between the radiocollateral ligament and the abductor pollicis longus and extensor pollicis brevis tendons. It may disappear with fractures of the scaphoid or with fractures of the radial styloid. However, it may also disappear normally due to positioning of the wrists, so it is a much less reliable fat plane indicating the presence of trauma. The blue arrow is pointing to a transverse lucency through the waist of the scaphoid that represents a fracture. There is obliteration of the normal scaphoid fat stripe. The red arrow is pointing to the normal fat stripe. The joint effusions that we're going to discuss are those about the elbow, the knee, the hip, 
and the ankle. Probably the most famous of all of the fat planes is the posterior fat pad sign that's seen at the elbow. It is due to distension of the joint capsule at the elbow. This is fluid that collects intracapsular but extrasynovially. The anterior fat pad, which is normally present, is lifted up so that it is almost 90 degrees sometimes perpendicular to the anterior aspect of the distal humerus. The posterior fat pad, which is invisible normally, will become visible with distension of the joint capsule. The posterior fat pad sign has a positive predictive value of up to 75% in some studies, so that even if a fracture is not visualized, in the presence of a positive posterior fat pad sign, most clinicians will immobilize the elbow and then re-examine it in several days to see if the fracture line is visible. The oval is pointing to a fracture of the radial neck. The blue arrow is showing the anterior fat pad, which has been lifted up off of the anterior aspect of the distal humerus, so that it's pointing almost 90 degrees to the shaft of the humerus. But more importantly, the white arrow is pointing to the posterior fat pad sign, originally hidden by the olecranon fossa, but now visible because of fluid which distends the joint capsule and pushes the fat posteriorly so that it can be seen on a true lateral of the elbow. The red arrow is pointing to a normal lateral elbow in which no posterior fat pad is visible. In children, about 60% of fractures around the elbow are going to be supracondylar fractures. So that's the area that you should look at really carefully. In adults, about 50% of fractures around the elbow are fractures of the radial head or neck. So you should re-examine them several times when you look at an elbow x-ray. Fat planes around the hip are not very reliable. There are two major fat planes. There is a capsular fat plane and an iliopsoas fat plane. The iliopsoas and the capsular fat planes are relatively poor indicators of small to moderate amounts of fluid in the adult hip joint. One of the reasons is that the capsular fat plane is actually not associated with the joint capsule at all, but in fact is fat between two muscle bundles anterior to the joint. This is an example of obliteration of the normal iliopsoas blue arrow and capsular red arrow fat planes by a fracture of the femoral neck, an intertrochanteric hip fracture. On the right, we can see the normal fat planes. A third fat plane around the hip is the obturator fat plane, which is shown here by the red arrow adjacent to the triradiate cartilage. The red circle is pointing to comminuted fractures of the left superior and inferior pubic rami. Associated with those fractures is a pelvic hematoma, which is recognized on this image by displacement of the urinary bladder, the B, by the large pelvic hematoma. The obturator fat plane is also obliterated. And here is a CT scan, which shows the red arrow, enlargement of the obturator muscle due to edema and bleeding. The normal obturator muscle is shown on the right side. The red circle is indicating a fracture of the anterior inferior iliac spine. Associated with it is obliteration of the normal capsular fat plane, the red arrow. 
On the opposite side, we can see the normal capsular fat plane, the white arrow, and the iliopsoas fat plane, the blue arrow. Knee joint effusions are also intracapsular, but extrasynovial. They occur primarily in the quadriceps recess, the quadriceps fat plane, in which we can see the suprapatellar bursa when it becomes descended. Usually the suprapatellar bursa is less than 5 millimeters in size. We can also see fluid around the knee in the fat that is normally in the infrapatellar space, which is called the Hoffa fat pad. Fluid around the knee can occur in joint diseases, when there is trauma to the knee, and infection to the knee. Here we see a patient with advanced osteoarthritis. The red oval is pointing to narrowing and osteophyte formation in the femoropatellar compartment. The white arrow is pointing to a very large elliptical soft tissue density that represents a large suprapatellar effusion. On the right side, this is another patient who has a transverse fracture through the central portion of the patella and associated fluid in the suprapatellar bursa, the red arrow, and some infiltration of Hoffa's fat pad, the blue arrow. This patient has hemophilia and as a result thereof has a hemarthrosis. Because of the hemosiderin deposit, the joint effusion actually looks denser than would a regular joint effusion. The red arrow is pointing to blood in the suprapatellar bursa and the white arrow to blood in the region of Hoffa's fat pad in the infrapatellar bursa. This patient has Osgood-Schlatter disease. Inside the red circle, we can see fragmentation of the anterior tubercle and soft tissue swelling immediately adjacent to the anterior tubercle in this patient who had pain in this region. And we can also see the white arrow, infiltration and obliteration of the normal infrapatellar quadrilateral clear space that represents Hoffa's fat pad. Lipohemarthroses are a special variety of joint effusion around the knee, consisting of a combination of both blood and fat, the fat coming from the bone marrow when there are fractures around the joint. These usually occur at the end of long bones, the femur, the tibia, sometimes the proximal humerus. The knee is the most common site. They depend for their existence on the force of gravity and a short period of rest that will allow the blood to separate from the fat above and enable us to see the fluid-fluid layer. Most importantly, the presence of a lipohemarthrosis will only be seen when there is an x-ray beam that is directed horizontally, that is parallel to the floor. Here's the patient P on the table with the film propped up, the white bar, the x-ray beam has to be directed horizontally in order to see a fluid-fluid level. If the x-ray beam is directed vertically, like this red arrow, we won't see it. This is a patient, the red arrow, who has a lipohemarthrosis. This is the way that the image is normally viewed, but we're going to tilt the image into the direction that it was actually obtained, which was through a cross-table lateral and we can see that there is a lucency that represents fat that is floating on a denser substance that represents blood. There is a straight edge between them, the interface between the fluid of the fat and the fluid of the blood. Lipohemarthroses are very reliable indicators of a fracture surrounding the knee or the shoulder.
Ankle joint effusions. The presence of a large ankle joint effusion on an initial lateral radiograph suggests an occult fracture around the ankle. About one-third of patients with an effusion that's greater than 13 millimeters in one study had occult fractures. The red arrow is pointing to the lucency where the anterior tibia meets the talus where an ankle joint effusion would be visible when present. This is a patient who has a large ankle joint effusion. The red arrow is pointing to the soft tissue density that has the characteristic nodular appearance at the junction between the distal tibia and the talus. The pre-Achilles fat pad, which is sometimes called Kager's fat pad, is bounded posteriorly by the Achilles tendon, anteriorly by the flexor hallucis longus tendon, and inferiorly by the calcaneus. It can become infiltrated or obliterated with trauma or inflammation. This is a patient who has a fracture of the calcaneus, demonstrated by the white arrow, and infiltration of the pre-Achilles fat pad by fluid and blood, shown by the red arrow. Here's another patient who has a fracture of the distal tibia and fibula, who has infiltration of the pre-Achilles fat pad. So we have talked about the pronator quadratus fat plane, the scaphoid fat stripe, the posterior fat pad sign, suprapatellar effusions and Hoffa's fat pad, lipohemarthroses, the fat planes around the hip, ankle joint effusions, and the pre-Achilles fat plane. Here is your mini quiz. This is a 60-year-old male with foot pain. We're showing you a lateral view of the knee. Pause your computer or MP3 player while you ponder what this patient may have. Well, the first abnormality is the white arrows pointing to the presence of a suprapatellar effusion, which we did talk about. We didn't talk about the prepatellar bursa, which is also distended and which contains fluid in this patient. I'm going to show you this image of this patient's elbow. And what you see here, the gray arrows are pointing to a huge olecranon bursitis with fluid in the olecranon bursa. There are also erosions of the distal humerus and the proximal ulna. This combination of findings are characteristic for gout.